Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Conrad, I'm doing fine. It's a good week. It's a good week to be above ground, as they say. So everything's good, man. AEW business seems to be doing well, and we've had some really nice shows, I think, with some outstanding wrestling. You know, with, with that roster, where, whereby they're most of many of their strengths are simply, and I don't mean simply like, okay, here you go. Is, are, is uh, bell to bell. And there's so many of them. It would seem to me that if we miss on a certain week, you didn't have some good matches or it, it was matches under delivered, which can happen in a human business. Uh, boy, I, I think that, uh, it's hard to miss. So that's, what's fun about going to one of the, one of the things that's fun about going to work is certainly, uh, seeing what Tony Khan's got in his head and who, who's going to be featured this week and who's going to be given the opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to, to steal the show. So business things are good. You know, like I said, AEW business is good. Uh, JR's is hanging right in there. We're doing fine. A lot of folks still eat after the holidays I've discovered. That's great. So. But everything else is pretty good. My, my, uh, wound is healing slowly, but it's healing. God damn it hurts. I'm telling you my skin, when I, when I shower real good and, uh, and use a loofah gently on this, uh, wound, it, it looks like, a something from outer space. It's just bright red, which means it's burned all the hell. So the only thing I can do is I've got some cream I put on it and, uh, then we bandage it up for TV for sure. But like sitting around my place here in Jacksonville now, I'm fine with, uh, you know, I don't wear the bandage. I just keep the, the, uh, medicine on it and take the occasional pain pill, which I don't like taking because it makes me this worthless as shit. So anywho. But everything, but everything's really good. I mean, you know, it's healing, but I got another 30 days of that. So I got 30 more days of this, uh, aggravation and I go to see the doctor next week just to check on how it's healing. So, uh, it'll t- probably take five minutes, take me an hour to drive over and back, but probably I, seriously, but, but 10 minutes, let's say, but I'd rather go and know is to sit home because I'm too fucking lazy to drive. So that's where I am. Hey, how would your, you didn't do your Halloween party. Did you? 
Uh, no, we did a Halloween party, but we didn't do a New Year's Eve party. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. some holiday. It's a little recent. Yeah. No, we, uh, we, we pumped the brakes on that thought better of it, you know, with, uh, COVID acting up, I thought, you know, yeah. I don't want anybody getting sick on our behalf, trying to get to our place to have a good time. So we're going to redo it and we'll do it the, uh, the first weekend <coughs> of spring, I guess, late March somewhere in there. But yeah, we, uh, had to break the news to the, the guests and uh, unfortunately the, the caterer and the DJ and all of our folks who are getting paid to be there. But, uh, they'll get that payday uh, here in a few months, I guess. Yeah. Well, negotiate my boy negotiate. <laughs> well, what we're and more excited about is that you're back behind the damn microphone on dynamite. I mean, how cool was that after all the years where we saw where unfortunately on the other channel, sometimes people like to have a little fun at your expense, boy, you got a hero's welcome on TV. Pretty cool to see you get your, uh, your flowers while you're still able to receive them. So yeah, and uh, well, I can still smell them. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was moving. Uh, honestly, it was. Uh, I'm glad that it didn't last any longer than it did, because the more I thought about the journey, uh, and all the people that have been with me along the journey, uh, including little Jan, my my late wife, you know, you start okay. It's time to tap out. Let's get to the table. Set your fat ass down. I'll start bubbling and, you know, uh, crying like a baby because that's what was going to happen. So I, so I'm glad it was short. I, you know, Tony Khan could have put that anywhere or nowhere. Yeah. You know what we normally do on our shows at dynamite about seven fifty-five. the announcers are introduced and we get out there and do our, our ways. And it's always good to see the fans, see who's there, what signs they have, you know, hell, I like to read those signs or some are really creative and we're seeing more and more of them too, in our, in our dynamites and rampages and stuff. So, uh, it went short luckily, and I had one line and uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't, I didn't screw that up. So, uh, and it, and it could have been, but I did, my goodness. So, but it was pretty overwhelming to see people get out of their seats. And I think that was the, the biggest, uh, Conrad, the biggest uh, dynamite in Daly's place. I think it was. Wow. Now we've had pay-per-views there that may have topped those numbers. Yeah. But yeah, man, it was just, uh. It was, uh, a mem so memorable in my career. So Tony could have put me at that eight fifty five mark or seven fifty five, and nobody at home would have seen it. Right. He decided to make good old JR's return a part of the, part of the creative for that night. It just so happened. We started off at the very top. So it was a team effort. I appreciate his, uh, his consideration thoughtfulness. And, uh, so then uh, we went out and, you know, we wanted to do a good job. So, you know, I have to, I have to take my hat off to Excalibur and of course, Tony Shivani and Excalibur are great partners and there's never have been any issues with those guys. It makes it going to work so easy. We're friendly. It's we, we shoot the breeze 
and enjoy each other. We find out, you know, what's, what'd you do last week? How's your family? How's your, how's your wife? You know, I don't ask Tony how Lois is, but cause I know the answer to that. Still alive. Unless I, the answer yeah, is always still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's, uh, it's fun going back to work, man. And seeing all the talent, and getting all those hugs. You know, I try to bump into every female talent there so I could get the obligatory hug. Uh, you know, Uncle JR, you know, it's, it's a family thing. I'm kidding. Uh, but I did get a lot of hugs, and they're all appreciated. Innocent from some big old hairy men. So that was also appreciated. <laughs> what does that say about me, Conrad? You he said he appreciated a hug from a big old hairy man. <laughs> are you are you ashamed of me yet? Not at all. Well, not for all that. Right. Uh <laughs> Listen, we're going to have some fun today. We're doing something a little different. Uh, we've had a lot of requests over the years to watch this, but we've never found an excuse to do it. But you know, here we are in bowl season. Of course, most of the bowls at this point are behind us, but there is the big championship game on the horizon. Uh, we're going to be watching season four, episode one of Monday night raw, which was the new year's day episode of Monday night raw from 1996. And it's infamous, I guess you would say for the raw bowl which is a weird concept. We'll talk about that in a minute, but before we do any last minute predictions, it's Alabama, Georgia, once again, for the national championship, who you got, I think it's going to come down to turnovers. They're both so loaded. Uh, but you know, I, I mentioned right here on the show when they weren't the overwhelming favorite at that time, they weren't even favorite that Alabama would take it. And until somebody proves to me that they can beat Nick Saban in that final game of the year. Uh, I have, uh, no alternative other alternative, but to pick the crimson tide and my friendship to you. I know that means a lot to you, your team winning a national title again. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm going uh, roll tide on this one, but it's going to be a hell of a game. Oh, for sure. It's going to be a hell of a game and the physical, so many amazing athletes, Conrad, my God, they look like Adonis's. You know, big and strong. They can all run. It's just see, when you get the pick of the litter, man, you can check all the boxes. And both those teams have done that recruiting wise. I want to mention, um, as we're talking right now, unbelievably, Georgia is a three point favorite. And that kind of caught me off guard, but that's the story. So, you know what? I'll be watching on Monday night. I think the rest of our listeners will probably be checking out Monday Night Raw, where, and I know you're not there. But I am just curious as the guy who ran talent relations, most famously for so very long uh, this past weekend, WWE put together their day one pay-per-view and it was all about Brock Lesnar versus Roman reigns. And that afternoon, the world got a tweet from Roman that said he couldn't compete. He had tested positive for COVID. This has to be my goodness, worst case scenario. You've, you've, you've hyped this up. You've promoted yeah, it. You've sold tickets. It. You've got the building. You've got all the promotion earlier in the day. They were promoting the match. And then because of the damn COVID situation, he tests positive and that's it. Uh, do you remember anything like that ever happening in your entire career there? I don't nothing that extreme Conrad, uh, that I can recall off the top of my head. Maybe something would come to me. Uh, you know, we had some untimely deaths, uh, a little bit more stringent than the COVID cause that's a permanent situation. COVID isn't, uh, so now I was watching football Saturday night. Okay. 
I did not watch the paper that show on, on, uh, wherever it's on, uh, Peacock. Yeah. I wasn't holding out. I wasn't boycotting. I'll show you nothing. I wanted to watch football. Right. It was the last big college football night of the year. As far as volume, three really good, looked like good on paper, uh, matchups. And they ended up being pretty damn exciting games. So the match, what did they do? They put Brock Lesnar into the fatal four way, which was supposed to be for the raw title and Brock Lesnar wound up pinning big E. So now instead of him being the blue champion, he's the red champion. Uh, Brock Lesnar is uh top of the mountain once again. And a lot Makes of people sense. are uh, disappointed that that's how big E's reign came to an end, but we pivoted. And so instead of Brock, maybe leaving with uh, Roman's belt, he left with uh big E's. So yeah, but well, here's what it does, Conrad. It creates an opportunity for Big E to step up a little bit because he'll be chasing this uh, inhuman person, Brock Lesnar. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's an opportunity uh, for Big E to to do his thing, and and hopefully he will. He's such a nice guy, really a nice guy. He's a credit to the business or our our wrestling business. I think Big E. I'm speaking of. So we'll see how it works out, but no, that's a serious, uh, that's a, uh, that's a shit storm. You can't run from it's bad. So it sounds like I didn't, like I said, I haven't read about it. I haven't seen it. Uh, but it sounds like they, what, did you watch the match? I saw the finish, but I like you was watching football. You know, there's only a handful of things that I'll skip a WWE pay-per-view main event for, but, uh, big bowl games. Like we got last night. Uh, as you and I are recording this with Ohio state, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it every time. Well, we, both of us are college football aficionados. I'm a fan of the game. Of course, I'm a Sooners fan. Hello. You're a crimson tide fan. Well, that's what makes to me. That's one of the charms of the whole damn process is you fall in love with your team. Win, lose, or draw your team has been winning a whole lot more than they've been losing. Yeah. That's why a loss is so rare. It's I'm sure they're from some Alabama fans, very hard to process. Uh, did they lose to Auburn this year? Alabama. Al- yeah. No, th- they had one loss this year. It's the Texas A&M. Texas A&M. I saw that game. That was a good game too. Yeah. Field goal. Uh, so anyhow, uh, I love the game of college football. So to miss out on that triple header from the comfort of my own home, as we used to say, selling pay-per-view shit. It was a no brainer, but I'm glad they WWE worked out of their, their conundrum. And, you know, I'm not a WWE hater, any, any hater. I don't hate impact or MLW. I want all those guys to do well, because somewhere along the way, if somebody gets good enough in the Indies, they're going to be noticed. And at the time time is right. There may be an opportunity awaiting. Depends on how you've evolved your skill level. So guys in the Indies are, I'm sure they're making a few more bucks than they used to. I would think, uh, I, I would hope. So I don't know. I think I don't want to Conrad. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, these cats are in the, in a, the greatest position in pro wrestling history. The opportunities have never been greater. 
It's not the territories. It's not all that other stuff. I mean, this is a, this is an amazing time with, with everything digital, like what we're doing. Hell, if you, you told me when I started to work for Leroy McGurk in 1974, cowboy and Leroy, that someday you'll be doing a wrestling show, uh, on a, on a computer screen. And my first question would be, well, what the fuck is a computer? What is that? And I still have my challenges with that stuff, but I got you, Connie. You're the brains of the outfit. We all know that. Well, whatever that means, I am excited to be talking about this era though, of, uh, the WWF. I mean, here we are at the very beginning of 1996, I guess we should mention the show we're watching was actually recorded in 1995. Uh, you guys did in your house, number five in Hershey park arena on December 17th. That's uh, maybe most famous for, uh, Davey boy Smith, uh, going to a bloody match in the main event with, um, Bret Hart. I guess they go, I don't know how long they went, but I know it's one of my favorite matches that I ever saw Davies, uh, a really, really nice match. Let me see if I can get that here. Me 21 minutes like the, and nine seconds. Yeah. They, they got some time to tell their story. Yeah. And, and you got Brett leading the match. Uh, you're in great hands. Yeah. You don't need to overthink how many ages, who's the agent on this thing, you know, whatever. My God, Brett knows exactly what he wants to do. It's not what he wants to do. What, what needs to be done for the betterment of the match. It's the main event. Therefore the betterment of the card. So, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I really, I'm not glad you brought that up. Cause I had forgotten about that match. It was really good. I was more focused on, I think I did a scene in the pig pen. <laughs> well, the God was, that was my highlight. I, th- I think I, I want to mention uh, the next night you guys are in, uh, Newark, uh, Delaware at the Bob yeah. Carpenter center. And that's where you're going to take this particular episode that we're about to watch. But the next day you did a superstars taping. Uh, at Stabler Arena in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. There's only 1,500 fans there because you wind up doing this this uh, show during a freaking blizzard. Horrible. Uh, w- what are your memories of this blizzard? How am I getting home? Yeah. For driving. That whole loop you just uh, preambled was a drive for, the, for those of us living in Stanford or that vicinity. So I was wondering how the hell do we get home? Or can we go home tonight? Should I try to go home tonight? Like safety issues. It wasn't about, well, you know, that third man, she could have got a little higher on that back body drop. I didn't want to say nothing, but you know, she's, so that was the deal. We could, sh- I knew that we were skilled enough to shoot around it. When you know that wrestling has been done in a TV studio with 50 people or less, you know, you can pull this thing off if, it's, if you have to. And the WWE production crew. Uh, was so talented that, you know, they, they, they made chicken salad out of chicken shit. So it was, but it was tough. I was worried about travel safety and all the roster, same deal. We all got to get someplace unless you live there. And I don't know that anybody lived there at that point in time that I can remember. So travel, getting her, getting her ass home was what I was thinking about. So let's talk about, uh, that pig pen match that you mentioned. You did, uh, you, you did a little skit where you're in the pig pen and you're, um, trying to hype up the match, the hog pen match or what have you. And you, 
refer to one of the, the hogs as Terry, AKA Hulk Hogan's real name. Oh, (laughs) that that was, that was, that was orders of headquarters, man. I, I want to get in and out of that, uh, pig pen because all the pig shit was not, uh, a prop. The pig shit, steamy, stanky, uh, pig manure was, uh, all from the bowels of those hogs. And I knew that somewhere the goal was more than perhaps even getting the match over. We were promoting was, uh, how do I get JR down in a pig shit? He can't get out of this one <laughs> type deal. So. I can't remember. Did I go down? Uh, I don't believe that you took a bump in there, but, uh, oh. unfortunately, buddy Landell <laughs> did let's tell the buddy Landell story before we, uh, get this show on the road and do a watch along. Cause that is what we're going to do. We want you to watch along with us. Fire up your peacock network season four, episode one, January 1st, 1996 of Monday night raw. It's only a 46 minute show. This is the era of Monday night raw. It was a one hour show it left you wanting more. These days, of course, everybody taps out before they finish the third hour. Uh, but let's go back to that in your house show, uh, the hog pen night, the, uh, the night where British bulldog gave Bret Hart all he could handle. Yeah, great match. Ahmed Johnson was supposed to be wrestling Dean Douglas here. That's the real life Shane Douglas and, uh, well, not real life, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dean, yeah. Dean Douglas was supposed to be the opponent that night. He's down in his back. So they need a last minute replacement earlier in the year, buddy Landell had done some pretty good business with Shawn Michaels for smoky mountain wrestling, which is of course, Jim Cornette's promotion. Jim Cornette is obviously pulling double duty, working with the WWF here. I assume he puts in a good word for Mr. Landell. Is that the way you think that would have went down? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. But a lot of us knew Buddy. Yeah, Buddy worked in Mid South. I know I knew Buddy for years. Uh, Corny got the head start on knowing Buddy because Buddy was in Memphis when Cornette was a young photographer. So uh, yeah, I, I uh, sure Cornette had a lot to do with it. And by the way, it was a good call. What the role call for? Yes. So we got to protect Ahmed. And he's going over. This is going to be Dean Douglas's last appearance. He's going to come out and, uh, try to introduce, 
uh, buddy Landell here. We actually get a surprise return. Jeff Jarrett's back after a five month absence in this whole segment. Eventually Landell gets the introduction. He's going to be the opponent for Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed beats him in 42 seconds with the Pearl river plunge. Of course, Dean Douglas says he couldn't do it. And that was the end of that for him. But what's interesting is they have Landell come out to Ric Flair's old WWF theme. The very next day where we're about to watch the raw bowl, we would see him pin uh, him being buddy Landell. He would beat Bob Holly with a corkscrew elbow drop in six minutes and 53 seconds. And then he was going to go on later that day uh, to be a part of a TV taping for WWF mania where Bret Hart would pick up a win over him. And then what do you know? The next day, the blizzard show in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, buddy Landell gets a win over the very young Matt Hardy with a corkscrew el- elbow drop. Of course, Hardy was doing enhancement work at the time. And yep. literally that's the end of buddy Landell's WWF ruin. And I know what you're thinking. Oh goodness. Did he do what he did with Jim Crockett promotions? And he maybe partied too much and hung up on the booker and no showed. Nope. He slipped on the fucking ice, leaving the arena and he's done. What a turn of events. I mean, it's even written in the observer, buddy Lindell apparently messed up his ankle after the tapings in Bethlehem. He slipped on ice, going through a revolving door and tore up his ankle and needs surgery. He's going to be out for at least eight weeks. Landell's job for Ahmed Johnson was a last second deal. Vince and Jr. were apparently trying to convince Dean Douglas to work the match and Douglas wouldn't because of his back injury. There was no contingency plan and Landell was basically asked to help them out of a jam and did the squash job in the manner they requested because Johnson is getting the mega push. Apparently he was going to be rewarded for being a team player by getting a spot on the roster, but wound up injured almost immediately. Damn it. Buddy Landell. If it wasn't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. Yeah, but sometimes his bad luck was initiated by the, the guy he saw in the mirror. Sure. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. Uh, no, I have never come on this show or anywhere else to talk negatively about Buddy Landell as a worker. He was outstanding. He was an excellent worker. And uh, he, abs- he absorbed, as a young guy, all these very influential pro wrestlers that he was seeing weekly on his television. And they, and Memphis had great, that whole area and mid Atlantic, obviously they were loaded with talent. So he had a great, uh, little prep school there to watch on TV and then finally get in the business. Uh, but buddy's issue, what always pissed me off about buddy was buddy. Why are you making these mistakes? Yeah. Why are you doing this? God damn it. Do you not want, are you afraid to be successful? Is, is that, is that what it is? I don't know. I, I can't figure this out. So it's almost as if you're trying to sabotage your own career, either with a partying or, you know, I can't, I'm not categorizing the broken ankle as a part of that or the bad ankle, but, uh, it just for whatever reason, and I've always regretted this. I thought that every company I worked for could have gotten more out of buddy Landell than we did. And to this very day, that's a regret. Uh, he needed to go to rehab. He needed to get cleaned out. Totally. He needed to take six months or a year, whatever, whatever it's going to be and come back. Right. If a guy gets that kind of opportunity to come back, right. And contribute and doesn't, you know, you've been on the wrong horse. So you either saw the problem or 
you eliminate it. And I think that was kind of the case here. I, uh, I just love talking about buddy Lindell. I think it's an interesting story. I want to hit a few more things and then we'll, uh, we'll press play. This is the era of Santa Claus, which we know is going to eventually become balls. Mahoney, the real life, John Rickner, uh, Meltzer would say he's already been fired because he was told the gimmick wasn't working after all of the one television taping. Although with a seasonal deal like that, it sounds to be, they should have known that going in. He worked the NWA show on December 29th and threw out presents to fans like chocolate with cigarette butts in it, Barbies with penises put on them and other tasteless and tacky things like that. Santa Claus feels like it's one of the worst ideas in WWF history. What do you remember about this? I remember I concur with your assessment. It's the shits. Uh, and, and here's another deal. You know, you got a guy that's taking these crazy bumps in boss Mahoney incessantly he's abused his body he's worked for little or nothing uh and all of a sudden you see in my role or maybe there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and we can capitalize on what this big guy does best and that was bumping and uh but it just didn't it didn't get that far i mean it was i don't even want to say it's a, it was a start just it was nothing, but you know, Vince didn't like it. And so it ended quickly. I also want to bring up this other creative idea that I read that, uh, I guess isn't all that hard to imagine, but in hindsight, given what's happening in real life, it's kind of funny. There's been talk of Sonny doing an angle where her 91 year old husband passes away and leaves her a lot of money and she buys a major heel. Of course, this was a story that people were familiar with because of the whole Anna Nicole Smith thing that had been happening with her billionaire husband. Uh, I, I know that didn't happen, but I, I could see how that would work. Making Sonny the wrestling version of Anna Nicole, right? Easy story to tell. No doubt. Yeah. Easy story to tell. And you got that Anna Nicole Smith, uh, thing with her, her, her husband. And so, yeah, I, I, it was, it was, it was plausibly or pro wrestling acceptable. Uh, I wanted to mention the uh, day after where this raw ball is recorded, the Bethlehem show, or we called it the, uh, the blizzard show. That's where John Hawk got a tryout with uncle Zeb. Of course, we know that's going to go on to become Justin Hawk Bradshaw, AKA JBL. Uh, were you high on him right away? Is he a recommendation from Dutch or how did you guys land on? Hey, look at this big kid. I think Jerry Briscoe was most involved in, uh, being the conduit between John and the company. Uh, I always was attracted, uh, from an athletic standpoint, pro wrestling standpoint to a, a big guy like John, uh, who was athletic, very physically tough. And the, the only thing we had to do a, a little bit was get the Murdoch out of it. And I actually told him that one time, if I wanted Dick Murdoch, I'd hire Dick Murdoch. Right. We want you. And so he kind of refined his, his presentation and kept refining it all the way to where he's a suit wearing, you know, big, nice hat, uh, JBL. So John did a great job with his career. He, he kept finding ways to make his presentation 
evolve and be different and then therefore successful. Uh, I am a big Dutch Mantel fan, but I had to see this thing work before I was going to be sold that it was the deal. And I don't know why that was that way, Conrad. I, did, I didn't know that these guys would have chemistry. And, and how could I know until we see them in action? So that's kind of where I was there on that deal. But I, uh, I became a big fan of JVL's work. He was a real good uh, heel. And he was, a he was a terrific heel champion. So I, uh, but I, I think it's ironic. You know, we've got Briscoe and Bradshaw doing a podcast. Yeah. And, and it was, I think it was, like I said, I, I really believe it was more Jerry than anybody else that got John to join our team. And it was a, it was one of the smarter things we did. He, he lasted for many years. It was very productive. He gave him the idea for tribute to the troops. You know, he was just, a, he had some great matches and he was willing to have great matches with much smaller people. Think of the matches that JBL had with Eddie Guerrero. I thought they were outstanding. I mean, really, really legit outstanding. So yeah, that was a, that was a good era. You know, you, you gotta be pick here. You get lucky. We got lucky there. I certainly did because I wasn't really aware. I'd heard of John, but I hadn't, I hadn't become a student of his work. And, uh, so anyhow, he, that was, a, we got a, we got a good hire there and thanks to Jerry and I'm glad John signed and John's been pretty much with the company ever since in some capacity. I wanted to, uh, mention something else here. Big van Vader. He's going to be coming in, uh, Meltzer would write aside from the skit on raw. The biggest news was the announcement of Vader in the Royal rumble. The two sides haven't signed a contract or even agreed to all the details. Although they've come to an agreement that Vader will start in the rumble and be in as a regular, they'll continue to work major Japanese shows. Vader has already left for the Japan show at the Tokyo dome. He's also booked against Anoki on three, three in LA, the same city as WrestleMania on a multi-promotion show that ironically enough, WCW is helping to promote. There's lots of details to be worked out regarding worldwide merchandising rights, etc. Vader was wanting to do the deal for various reasons, a scheduled surgery on January 9th being the main one, but was leaning against coming in at the time. But Vince McMahon worked hard all weekend because he wanted a bombshell announcement on the January 1st show and ultimate warrior wasn't going to be it. the warrior deal is dead. Warrior was supposed to come in for interviews and never showed up. And the two sides had other big problems having to do with warrior wanting a guaranteed contract with astronomical figures. And there was also the policy that might force WWF into having a major double standard. If he was brought in Jake Roberts hasn't answered, but Titan was hopeful he'd be in. We were told Rick Martell wasn't even asked. Dan Severin hasn't responded as of the weekend and we're told he wanted to do it, but wasn't sure if it was the right career move. And the last word we got was he was leaning against it, but hadn't gotten back with Titan. The deal with Dory Funk, whose name was announced over the weekend is that the WWF is attempting to open up a relationship with all Japan, similar to WCW's deal with new Japan and Funk would be the liaison. Funk would be in the rumble along with Amori. Bam Bam Bigelow is also being brought in for a one-shot deal and Tatanka was announced as being back in, which probably means the case in Southern California has been settled because there was a lawsuit involving Tatanka and Jimmy Del Rey and Titan wasn't going to bring Tatanka back until the case was closed. So it's rumble season. So there's always this guy, that guy who's coming, who's staying, whatever. 
but the idea that it's just said right here, Hey, the warrior deal is dead. We know he's going to wind up at WrestleMania 12 later here in 1996, just a couple months later, but this had to be just a nightmare from day one, trying to play hokey pokey, if you will, with Jim Hellwig, right? Yeah. And it's just a pain in the ass. It was, we, we all had much of our time wasted unnecessarily. Uh, and so, yeah, I, there was not many people in the inner circle there at that time that were as big. Nobody was as big on ultimate war as Vince. Vince was the guy. He loved the character. He created a character. He felt like he'd refined the character, all those good things took ownership of the IP intellectual property, but, uh, that was the minority because many of us knew that, uh, hell we was really hard to work with and that, uh, you know, this is going to be a very high maintenance hire, uh, to say the least. I uh, also want to talk to you about Vader. You know, you talk about two different talents. They couldn't be much more different Vader and warrior. Uh, but this is very much, you know, the Monday night war era. I know it's still early, but nitros kicked off, you know, four months prior to this. Uh, and Vader was obviously a big player for them. And just knowing what I know about your brand of wrestling and the stuff you like, you had to be all for the big man coming in. Yeah, I was, I got to put my foot up here. This skin cancer folks is the shits. Let me just tell you, but, uh, where were we? I'm sorry. I got to talk about how excited you were that Vader. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I was a big fan of Vader's when we brought him to WCW. Yeah. You know, that the, uh, that old piece of tape that's everybody, well, I say everybody, but a lot of people have seen was a match out of Tokyo, I believe, uh, but out of new Japan. Or maybe it was all Japan, but out of Japan, Vader and Hanson. And that's where Leon got his eye, his eye popped out. And it was a compelling television to say the very least, but they had great chemistry to Leon and Stan because they both were unselfish and willing to sell the other's shit. Pretty simple. So I, I hired them both. We're going to both come to WCW. Because that's where we wanted to head ruggedness, more physicality, uh, all those things. So yeah, I, I, I've always been a big Vader fan. You know, when he came, when Leon came, Leon's son, uh, Jesse white was the number one high school center, uh, coming out of, out of high school, uh, number one ranked in America, i.e. the best high school center in the land. And he committed to UCLA. And, uh, so I told Leon, I said, you know, why don't you come to Oklahoma for an unofficial visit? He said, well, I, I, he's starting. I said, Leon, what is it? Well, I don't have a driver's license. I said, okay, I'll come pick you up at the airport. We'll get you a ride. Everything's cool. And so, uh, that's where I met Jesse. And then, uh, he got there on like Friday and before they left on Sunday, he had been offered a full ride at OU, uh, and accepted. So he went back on his commitment to UCLA and he committed to Oklahoma. So that's a little Vader story kind of behind the scenes. 
I'm not even sure they stayed. I offered to stay at my place, but they didn't want to. I don't know what happened. It might've been a Jan give me a look like, no. Uh-uh. So anyhow, <laughs> that's it. But uh, I, I was, all, I've always had an affinity for, uh, for Vader. I mean, he's just Conrad. It's hard to, it's hard to equate how big he was and how athletic he was. There's been a lot of big guys in the rest of business. We both know, but man, big guys that have good feet can run can move shit, man. He's a badass. I'm a, I'm proud. I got to know Leon. I think that Leon's run in my vision for Leon in WWE was Austin. To me, that would become a dream, dream match like scenario. But of course I'm a, I was a huge mark for both guys. So you have to factor in my cloudy vision perhaps, but I don't think so. Well, let's, uh, let's hit some other news and notes, and then we'll press play here. Uh, Vince McMahon made a rare appearance on America online, talked about a bunch of different stuff uh, about the UFC. He says completely different form of entertainment than the WWF. However, if the fans want to see a very violent style of wrestling, they know where to get it. ECW. I think that's kind of cool that, uh, he at least acknowledges it. Meltzer would write McMahon later said ECW wasn't his cup of tea thinking it was too violent and claimed not to have spoken to Polly dangerously in years to his knowledge. And Meltzer would note Heyman does all of his WWF dealings through Bruce Pritchard. So that's probably the case. And regarding public enemy, McMahon said, Ted Turner's a billionaire offering large sums of money to wrestlers just so they won't go to the WWF. Uh, McMahon said WCW doesn't have a clue how to market them since they never went to the WWF. So therefore WCW won't be able to steal how the WWF got them over. He also claimed that WCW chose to put a wrestling show on Monday nights, claiming that showed no regard for the wrestling fans of America and that Eric Bischoff is uh, carrying out the greedy, selfish vitriol of billionaire Ted. He knocks Hulk Hogan says he's a selfish and shallow human being who believes he can con wrestling fans into thinking he's as great as he was years ago. He knocks WCW for portraying the giant as Andre's son saying WCW must believe there's a sucker born every minute as WCW treats their fans like they're morons. He also said there was uh, never been a, or when was the last legitimate steroid test given to anyone at WCW. And, uh, he went on from there, but you can tell the Monday night war boy, Vince has his heels sunk in. Oh man. A hundred percent focus. Yes. D- dogged, relentless, uh, every topic of conversation always, at least in my memory, it's been a long time, but it, it, uh, seemed to be, uh, always ending with some WCW talk and the satires and the and the skits and the hours that it would eventually take to make these skits at the studio with billionaire Ted and all the makeup and this, that, and the other, uh, it was, it was, uh, never ending. And I think I can speak for most of the folks there on the inside. It got old. It really got old. I knew we had to do something. I apparently uh, going to that extreme, the billionaire Ted, those skits I thought was, eh. Cause they weren't even entertaining. I didn't think, 
Yeah. Uh, maybe I was wrong. I just didn't think they were really entertaining. Good. They were, they weren't the quality that WWE had established again, my take, that's all. Uh, I just wasn't entertained by them and no matter what you put on your TV, it's gotta be compelling or entertaining infotainment. It's gotta be, it's gotta have some clear cut, easily described handle. I don't know what those were bad comedy, bad comedy. Well, without further ado, let's get going on the raw bowl. Uh, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, it was taped, uh, December 18th, 1995. It's going to air here on January 1st, 1996. So it's a little new year's day action. It's season four, episode one, uh, Jim, I'm going to give us a countdown. I'll do three, two, one. And when I say press play, we'll press play. Are you ready? Yeah, man. I'll, I'll get this. I drug this. I did that. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> here we go. Three, two, one. Play. And now the USA Network proudly presents the 1996 World Wrestling Federation Raw Bowl. Raw Bowl! Yes, folks, it's finally here. The bowl game of bowl games. The stepdaddy <laughs> with the Mac Daddy of them all. The band is playing. The cheerleaders are cheering. Coach Blassie has given his final pep talk. Dandy Doc is walking a lot. Jimbo Jim is waiting to talk. The field has been laid. The Raw Bowl Queen has been crowned. Four teams, eight superstars will battle it out on one field, vying for the trophy. A galaxy of stars has been assembled. Big Daddy Cool, yes, Diesel is here, along with King Mabel. Gold Dust is here. The Nacho Man is here. Who? The Huckster is here. The what? Scheme Gene is here. Well, I got a bone to pick with that guy. Even Billionaire Ted is here. What's he doing here? They're all here for the very first World Wrestling Federation Raw Ball. Well, this is certainly not the RX Ball. And it's definitely not the Fish Bowl. It can't be the Fiesta Bowl. And it's not even the Tiny Bowl. Welcome to the first ever WWF Raw Ball. So how about that open right there? As we see Jerry, the King Lawler sporting his, uh, his Browns Jersey. Oh yeah. King loves his Browns, man. And, uh, well, you know, there was a lot of effort put into that open. I remember those guys rehearsing that in the afternoon, get their music cues and when you're going to play and all that stuff, who do you take your cue from and all those things. I don't even know where that band was from or a high school. I'm assuming they were a high school band. Hope I'm right on that one. They look awful young. Oh, look at that. We see the smoking guns bursting through. That's hilarious. Yes, a couple of first round draft picks if they're everywhere. Yes, number 38, number 45, wearing the jerseys proudly, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're talking about Billy and Bart, the smoking guns, the tag team champions. You can bet they have their game plan together. I like they ran through the paper like it was a high school football game. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> And we see, uh, a very young Bart gun. there, still sporting the stash and he's got the mullet, uh, you know, as a concept, you're looking for, you know, something to make 52 weeks a year worth of TV. This is uh, very much bowl season. Uh, this makes as much sense as some of some other ideas we've seen over the years, the raw bowl, huh? Oh yeah. How do you get to absurd for wrestling? Look at this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's go to 
furthest tackling dummy. What's Brother Hoff doing back in the locker room? Some of the players are already out here. That's the pregame invitation. Invitation? I guess. So we saw a little, uh, picture in picture there of brother love. And of course we had just seen brother love return to TV. They introduced the ringmaster to us. And thankfully the ringmaster didn't last long and neither did uh, brother love. And, uh, up next, here we go. Savio Vega in tag team action with the intercontinental champion, razor Ramon. Hey Chico. Hey, Hey, where are we? And, uh, we see, uh, oh my gosh. He's got a little present here. That's our, uh, the, the, the gimmick guy, prop guy, Richie, Richie Posner. Posner. Yeah. Yeah. And of course he was the usher, if you will, for gold dust. And of course, in this era, gold dust is working with razor Ramon and there he is. And look who's in the end zone. You know what, McMahon? I think we've just witnessed an illegal forward pass. Well, certainly an incomplete one as we, I like that forward pass incomplete, incomplete pass. They're hitting us over the head with the puns, but it's good stuff. Uh, we see the roses there that razor wanted no part of and in real life, Scott Hall wanted no part of, uh, working with the gold dust character. I don't think he had an issue with Dustin. He just didn't like the persona. He instead, according to the observer was campaigning to work with Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And that was the bottom line. Yes. That was the bottom line. I don't think anything to do this religious beliefs. Come on. So, and maybe I'm wrong. If I am, I apologize. But he wanted to work with Hunter and, but I would say, why not? He, he had great chemistry with, with Hunter and they, therefore would have great matches. So we see Ted DiBiase following out Sid and the one, two, three kid as uh boy, our ring is getting full here. We got more superstars than you can shake a stick out right now. Let's track a little bit here. That's not the point spread. I heard. Nonetheless, let's get to the rules. All right, each team gets one timeout no matter when. A timeout? They can call time only once, however. And then again, let's talk about this. A team is eliminated when one individual of that team is eliminated in any manner whatsoever. The whole team is out. How about this? You can tag in any other team member from any other corner at any time. You mean... Somebody could tag in Sid and he'd have to wrestle against the kid. That's exactly right. But once tagged, physical contact must be made before you can tag back out. The coin toss already took place earlier on with Earl Hebner, the headlinesman. Yeah, somebody should have told Bart, you can't fair catch a coin toss. All right, here we go. Owen Hart and Bart of the smoky guns. Dropped old nicely done. So they started almost in football-like positions. Uh, and, and what's fun is we got Hebner dressed up just like an NFL referee. I mean, he's got the socks, yeah. the pants, the hat, the whole deal. White hat. He's got a white hat. Therefore, he could be the headlinesman. And white hat's only worn by the referee, crew chief. And now here we go. First illustration of wrestling partners. They got to make physical contact. You heard that. And they've got uh, the canvas here. Striped off. It says raw in the middle, but it's uh green in color and it's got the white, uh, you know, gold lines and, and hash marks. And this is kind of interesting. Is it not? I mean, it's a different presentation. It is different. Yeah. And, and loaded with talent. Well, the young fans that haven't watched Owen Hart much relish these moments. Cause they're just amazing. 
Get in, or the team is eliminated. Yokozuna standing in midfield. Wait a minute. Oh, Hebner, he's going to throw the flag. The headline was going to throw the flag. I love that Hebner has a flag. You know, they're doubling down on this. It's fun. It's silly. It's different. I like it. Hey, you know what? It's still better than battle bowl. Yeah. No kidding. I agree. Uh, Yoko is what a, what an attraction. Golly. And it's kind of fun too, because we're seeing Yoko, uh, he's supposed to be wrestling Owen Hart and their tag partners. Of course, Owen wants to tag out. So Savio Vega is going to come in. Interesting little idea. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a, uh, result of a lot of brainstorming because I remember when you hit those rules that I remember us talking about, you got to make contact your team, two teammates get caught in the ring together. They got to make contact. And we see, uh, you know, this, this building, not exactly one of the big, biggest buildings you guys ever ran. 95 is one of those years where, as far as I remember, the company actually lost money financially. And I think as uh, Bruce tells the story, Vince would say he took that however many million out of my own ass or something like that. Is that the way you remember it? <laughs> oh yeah. Something like that. Out of my own ass. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, yeah. the, the, the stress and pressure that must've been in the WWE this last week, if you were Bruce or Kevin Dunn, one of the inner circles, when yeah. you got supposedly a bunch of folks out sick with COVID and, uh, there's all these new cases popping up and. Now, even your main event, the thing you've been hyping the most, your top star, you can't deliver on that big pay-per-view. And yeah. it's not like they've probably got Brooke uh, or, or Brock Lesnar booked for an endless amount of dates. Uh, right. if, he, if he's leaving, he had to farm. work, he had to work Conrad. Yes. So what do you do? You don't have a one guy that stands head and shoulders above everybody else in the minds, the mind of many, uh, but so you gotta, he's gotta get in there and work. So again, like I said, I did not see the. Uh, the match, but putting four guys in there causes enough distraction and enough guesswork that it could theoretically be a good match. And as you said, you thought it was okay. Well, you know, I like the idea of, uh, you know, there's some sort of story to tell. It's clearly not the story they were hoping for, but I honestly didn't really give much thought to the big E thing. I was just disappointed that, you know, his run had seemingly ended, but. You're right. Maybe this begins a big chapter. Maybe this begins yeah. a big chase. You know, if that pays well, off at WrestleMania, boy, that could be a big moment. The big oversized baby face, uh, chasing this monster heel champion is a good formula. Right. And, and I believe that if big E's fortunate enough and how they book him, that he can take this as a, a catapult to bigger, and better things. I want to mention, uh, while you guys are putting on the raw bowl. WCW is trying to pull out all the stops at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they've got Johnny B bad taking on diamond Dallas page for the TV title. Randy Savage working with Arn Anderson regal working with Benoit, uh, Luger and sting and tag team action against the super assassins. But most importantly for the heavyweight championship, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair 
that's a pretty damn loaded card in a historic yeah. venue. Um, it's a good card. And, it's and I a, bet you that, uh, Benoit and Regal was the best match on it. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. So it was, it was a good card. Just that counter programming stuff, you know, divide the audience, but it also created a lot of interest. You know, people had their remotes go to the back and you know, all that stuff where you could get, and then, then there's split screens and all that stuff you could, you could have on your television you chose to. So, uh, yeah, it was, a interesting competition. There's no doubt about that. I want concepts going to win, you know? I want to mention too, uh, as they're running this show at the Omni, there's only 3,619 paying fans, but there's a total of uh, 6,000 in the building. But I wanted to mention the, the dirty tactics, the dirty pool, if you will, we would actually hear Eric Bischoff on this day, spoil the finish of your raw bowl. I mean, oh, he, really? just, he just lists the results. Hey, and you don't want to watch the other channel. This is live. That was taped and it sucked. Anyway, the smoking guns, one, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, you know, listen, they say all's fair in love and war. what do you think of that? Is that, is that over the line for you, for Eric to get on here and, and spoil the, uh, the, the other show. Oh, it's uncomfortable if you're on the other side. Uh, but was it illegal or unethical. I guess it depends on that's on the eyes of the beholder, but I think in the, these kind of situations you you just, well, it's not fair. So, uh, no, I, it didn't bother me it, like it did a lot of people. There's too much work to do, man. Our schedule was intense. My schedule was intense. It's just, I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough space to my computer to program all that shit. Yeah. I, I want to mention the next week, Eric would be on nitro talking about how the WWF is raising their pay-per-view prices from 24 95 to 29 95. So anything he can do to try yeah. to, uh, go ahead and, and raise a stink, cause a stir, create some controversy. He's doing it, but it's not like you guys hands are clean. I mean, you've no. introduced the nacho man and oh, here's Bruce again. Doesn't he know all of the players, are, all of the, the wrestlers are in the ring. They're on the field. There is no, we've heard of Reggie white being the minister so of defense in the NFL. In the I guess that makes brother love the minister of offense. So just like, I guess in a college game where they have the chaplain come out and say the team prayer, that's what <laughs> Bruce is trying to do it. Do here. Not realizing all eight of the players are already in the doggone ring. There you go. Oh, brother love strikes again. <laughs> Um, well, I wonder could always talk to entertaining in that regard. Might not like the persona, but he executed the persona about as well as anybody could ever ask for. When you're actually getting ready for this, you know, calling a match with all the football terminology, I'm not saying this to be funny, but as far as I know, Vince is not like a real big sports fan. Right. Are you, are you helping him with some lines and lingo yes. and terminology? I'm, I'm producing talent. Okay. I'm in his ear and I didn't take advantage of that <laughs> in, a, in a negative way. Cause I only had a small role in the show. 
I don't know why, but that's funny. I didn't take advantage of that in a Earl's negative called a timeout. Yeah, let's take a listen. The microphone never works on those referees. Already fine. Hey, wait a minute. What's he doing? Oh, wait a minute. Ranger. Oh. Ranger at the cannot. Penalty. 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 Ranger's hurt. Yes. I went Ted DiBiase's up. Wait a minute. Too many men on the field, ref. Throw the flag somewhere. No, no, no. He DiBiase. just threw it. Get him down. The flag's been thrown. Who's the penalty on DiBiase or the Razor? I'm not sure. When is play going to resume? Oh, there it is. Play has just resumed. Here we go. From behind now. Illegal procedure, Raph. Turn around. Yeah, yeah. Turn around. Oh, no. Don't turn around now. No. Yes. Oh. And just like that, the one, two, three kid steals a victory. Uh, he uh, has eliminated Razor Ramon. And of course, Savio is saying, no, we called timeout. But I like the whistle, the flag. It's a little corny, but it's kind of fun. It's a little corny, but it fit the mood in yeah. the moment. I mean, listen, if we can say, well, it's not out of the realm of possibility that there would be giant vats of mimosas on the outside of the ring, or that we could have, you know, Doverman pinchers who are going to try to attack. Yeah, come on. This is not the worst idea. Maybe not. It could have been, it could have been a barbecue cook-off. Oh, look at this. They're doing the old Mark uh, J- uh, or John Madden treatment. See it. He comes in. He drags the kid back over to the corner. Then Razor Ramon gets up. He's fumbling. He's stumbling. He's rumbling over to the referee. Sid comes in from behind. Hits the ropes. Comes up. Wham! Right there on Razor's back. Razor goes down. The kid covers. One, two, three. Ah, Razor and Samuel are eliminated on the old draw play. The old Telestrator. Dude, that was so, so much fun. You know, and Lawler could have been really good at that too because he's a, you know, a cartoonist artist. This is our, uh, our first time, uh, recording since we lost, uh, John Madden. Yeah. What a yeah. man. He was the one that got away for so many years. Was it not? If he didn't influence every pro wrestling announcer in the last 20 years, maybe a little longer, uh, I would say those guys are, are not wanting to learn because John Madden was all about timing, sound bites, bringing information in an entertaining way. Uh, and he could pick his spots his spot on and he had Pat Summerall and let's not discount that because that was, they were perfect together. And then he worked with Al Michaels. I met John one time at a Falcons game. I was on the Falcons broadcast team. I think it was 92 and, uh, uh, the Falcons are hosting. I want to say it was either the Cowboys or the 49ers. So I got the chance to say hello, introduce myself and, uh, kind of stood there and listen. He's such a legend and a, and a quality human being too. That's one great thing about him. He just uh, perfected his art. And some of those guys are trying so hard to, to be unique that they don't use some of his material, his timing, his pacing. He had a relationship with the audience that, you know, I kind of consider you like wrestling's John Madden. I hope you don't take offense to that. Cause I mean, it in a most complimentary way. I appreciate it. Thank you. I said, about as good as I ever got. Man, it's so fun to see Hebner slide around here in this NFL look. 
I don't know why it tickles me, but it does. Billy Gunn's always been known for making great comebacks. Yes. I'm, I'm anxious to see where his two sons, uh, evolve in the game of pro wrestling. They're both very athletic kids and, and, uh, Austin, especially has got a huge personality. Yeah. Austin looks like a star. Does he not? Yeah. He looks good. And hey, the other kid too, if you haven't noticed, he's starting to fill out too. He'll, he'll have the size advantage. So he's about six, three or so good kids. Oh, and Yoko's uh, setting up the big bonsai drop. Let's take a listen. They're going for it, big man. You're fixing to see the Hail Mary. Oh, no. Uh oh, no. Owen. He got himself in perfect position. Can you believe that? One move the hand. Yoko's headed to the outside. So we've seen the last of Yoko. I can almost guarantee it. Yoko was trying to call timeout, Conrad. <laughs> Everybody gets one, but they didn't see it. And, uh, they didn't see it. you can't call what you don't see. I do like, you know, normally I don't like on a, like a survivor series thing when they make the raw team, wear the red jerseys and the smack yeah. team where the, it's just sort of corn. But here, if there's four teams and we're doing a real football theme, then yeah, you gotta be wearing jerseys. So now it's down to black and white. The yellows and the reds are out. So it's going to be the smoking guns. And of course there's Sid, his uh, tag team partner is the one, two, three kid. You think Sid still has that Jersey? I don't I think so. doubt, I, I, I kind of doubt it. I bet Sid kept nothing. <laughs> Sid seems like the type of guy who's like, uh, it was a job and I don't do that job anymore. So no, I don't have any of my old job stuff. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm. Thinking there's a lot of guys with that mindset. Yeah. That's one thing about the women. They're so much smarter than the men as a rule. They'll keep that stuff and monetize it later on. Yeah. Bischoff kept nothing. Like I'm like, you don't have a nitro sign or I mean, nothing. Wow. Well, they're putting the shine on old Sid. Probably in a perfect world, you would have allowed that save instead of, uh, Billy kicking out at, uh, two and a half. Remarkable, but this is, uh, a thing. I mean, you see the band section over there. This is <laughs> silly fun, man. I dig it. Yeah. And now we're, uh, working a rest hold and, uh, Bart guns, trying to get the crowd into it and Billy guns, feeling it. And here comes the big comeback, you know, Sid, well, go ahead. Now Sid gets a lot of, uh, negative talk from fans online, but man, he was always a guilty pleasure of mine as a kid. I mean, it's one of the most impressive looking individuals you could see. And, uh, I don't know the little stuff he would do just looking at the crowd and all that. He knew how to get a reaction and a response from the crowd. Uh, but that I was his, his Memphis experience. Yes. He learned from some of the greats that, that understood thoroughly the concept of crowd psychology. Isn't it funny? It still is applicable today here in 2022. There's the inside cradle got a near fall that, uh, the same concept still work. It's not a practical application of a hold or a move. It's psychology. 
When you do the holes, how long you sell the holes or the big moves? It's uh, kind of fun to go back and, and look at wrestling and just think about how much it's changed and evolved I'm a match like this, you know, not, not with all the, the funny football rules. I don't think we would see this on a Wednesday night these days, 2022. What do you mean? Well, it just feels like it's a much more faster paced. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like this style of wrestling, uh, it continues to evolve, you know, I mean, I wasn't around of course, but I hear back in the day that when flair and steamboat in the early days of mid Atlantic, a lot of the old timers would say, oh man, they're, they're going too fast. They need to slow down. Yeah. They're, they're, they're ruining the business. They're killing the business. And then these days, I mean, even the young bucks sort of do everything tongue in cheek. I think the name of their business before they joined AEW was killing the business Inc or killing the business LLC. Uh, but it just feels, you know, these days there's not a bunch of six foot 10 dudes running around and Billy yeah. Gunn is not considered a big man by this 1996 standard, but my God, he's six, six or whatever he is. Yeah. He's a, he's a big dude. Yeah. Look at this. The oh, miscue leads one. to the pen. This is pissing himself. In his brown suit. He, he's, you should he's, never wear brown on television, kids. I'll explain that some other day. But the tag team, the reigning champs were the smoking guns, correct? Yeah, they came out with the tag titles. And uh, yeah, they've won oh, the Sean Rumble. Walt looked like he just smelled something nasty. Like an ugly face. Let's take a listen. Art imitating life. Shawn Michaels will announce next Monday he's holding a press conference. Look, me, man, I've told you, I'll save you a lot of time and trouble. There's no need for speculation. I got my sources. They're never wrong. I know what the announcement's going to be. It's not going to be a very happy new year for Shawn Michaels fans because he will announce that he is, in fact, retiring. We will cover his announcement next week, ladies and gentlemen, on Raw. All right, now with the Wrigley's halftime report. Let's take you to JB, Terry, Howie, and Jimmy all rolled into one. Let's take you to Dandy Doc. The Wrigley's halftime report brought to you by <laughs> Fresh Gum from Wrigley for icy cool breath that lasts. With a haircut. Hello and welcome to the Raw Bowl halftime report. I'm Doc Hendricks. Now I gotta tell you, this will not be like some meaningless, trivial, boring halftime program you've had to endure all weekend long. No sorry, Bob, it's more like a two-minute drill. Matter of fact, the clock is ticking. Still to come here on the Robo, seven-foot Big Daddy Cool Diesel taking on 568-pound King Mabel. Standing by, my broadcast colleague, Jumbo Ross. Jumbo, do you have Diesel? Well, no, I don't. As a matter of fact, I did get a quick word with Big Daddy Cool. He said very emphatically that right here tonight on Raw that he was going to kick the King's can. That's all I got from here. Back to you there, Dandy. All right, Jumbo. Thank you for that informative interview. My God. Jumbo. What was fun to me is they had you dressed like a sideline reporter, even though you're backstage. So you got the yeah. big coat on, the gloves on, the scarf. Yeah. Hilarious. But it was cold outside. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, for the national championship, it will be defending champion Bret the Hitman Hart against the phenom of the World Wrestling Federation, The Undertaker. Bret with his championship offense, much like that of the Cornhuskers, going up against the quick striking offense of The Undertaker, much like that of the Gators. Also on the lineup, it will be Ahmed Johnson, the powerhouse, taking on Double J Jeff Jarrett. This robbery got heated up at In Your House when Double J Jeff Jarrett flagrantly committed a personal foul on Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> and now the Royal Rumble match itself. It's going to have 30 All-Pro superstars competing. We start with two All-Pro superstars on the playing field. Every two minutes, a superstar rushes in with a blitz from the locker room. Then the only way to get ejected from the Royal Rumble is to be thrown over the top <laughs> rope with both feet landing out of bounds. And of course, the winner of the Royal Rumble guaranteed a title shot at the Super Bowl of the World Wrestling Federation, WrestleMania 12. Now, don't forget, no one does pay-per-view like the World Wrestling Federation. And the Royal Rumble is just under three weeks away. I see the teams coming back out on the field. Let's get down to the field for the second half. All right, King, when you hear the bombshell, my goodness, <laughs> a halftime report. I don't know that I've ever seen that. And, uh, I don't feel like I missed much. <laughs> You're trying different things. Yeah. <laughs> and of course you guys are, uh, promoting what happened at the, in your house show with uh, Coliseum home video, getting the plug here. There's That's the real pan. pig shit kids. They're laying in it. Pigs and slop are normally happy. My goodness. It's, uh, I think you said before we clicked record today, this is, uh, as far into the entertainment of sports entertainment as you can get. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the underscoring the word entertainment in sports entertainment. My goodness. The slop. Did you ever have to get slopped on a house show or a live event or something like that? I don't think so. How'd you get so lucky? I just, uh, became invisible at times. Well, nothing wrong with that. Just became invisible. You should have had a striped shirt on the hillbilly gym. <laughs> we should have. He's a referee, right? He is. I agree. Maybe he needed some striped overalls. That chimmel. Oh, was it man? Chimmel I, get slopped. Look, look like him. Well, Chimmel would be right at the head of the list for Vince to humiliate. He, he always enjoyed that. Why was, Piotta. why was uh Chimmel such a good, uh, subject for Vince? He, he's always there. He's a prop. He's always sitting at ringside. He's handy and he doesn't say no. Well, and he got, he got paid extra too for that too. Don't. That's what those guys looked at. I'm getting an extra payday for getting slopped. You know, oh, uh, Henry Godwin there. Uh, oh, Mark was a, he said he was really underrated. Yeah. He's, um, in an alternate universe, he could have been a big single star just based on his size. Could he not? Yeah. And, and we got him some gear. Yeah. It had to have a different look for sure, but he was a really talented big man. Yes. R really talented big man. And those just don't grow on trees. And he could move man up, down, up, down, up, down. The guy's got his regurgitation line in. 
Is that a go-to of his? Well, it isn't. He likes vomiting. He likes bodily functions to be exposed. Okay. I'm I'm with you. Nobody else knows either, Conrad. (laughs) See, Hillbilly looks like a tag team partner of uh, Henry Godwin. Those overalls on. No, he does. 100%. Uh, any good hillbilly gym memories you could share with us? Uh, just a good guy, a team guy. He knew not to rock the boat. He was smart. Uh, he kept getting uh, booked, which is good. The boys loved him. I want to mention, since we're talking all things raw bowl here, the hot pin match continues. Uh, this is by the way, uh, giving away the pay-per-view match on free TV, uh, just a couple of weeks later, they would do that again. The next week, they're going to show Brett and Davey in that bloodbath from the main event of this same in your house on free TV. But since we are here in the raw bowl, I want to mention while this is happening, the citrus bowl is taking place. So you could be watching Monday night raw, or you could flip over to nitro where you might be seeing Randy Savage and Arn Anderson, but you could also be watching Tennessee play Northwestern. Any chance you were actually watching this live or were you watching the football? Uh, no, shit. No, no, I, there was no football on. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably wondering, well, who was Oklahoma playing that day? They weren't in a bowl game. Hashtag yeah. humble brag. Alabama beat Michigan in the Outback Bowl. Not that it mattered. Yeah, we just sometimes, you know, we're not Alabama. Nobody else is either. <laughs> you're, spoil, you're, you're just friggin' spoils. All you are, buddy. This whole uh, hog pen thing, where does this rank? Top 10 worst ideas in WWE history? Yeah, it's on that list. It's on that list. Uh, Gennaro Gonzalez wants to know, congratulations on being cancer-free and, uh, being back, doing what you do best, calling matches on AEW. My question is, was it ever considered to make the raw bowl a yearly event for the WWF after the first one? I don't think so. Yeah. It's just so long and, uh, I don't know. It didn't have the magic and here's one of the reasons if we had made sure that the smoking guns were hot and they had to overcome all these odds and they finally prevailed. You got a much better story, but unfortunately the smoking guns were not booked in that respect. They were not booked to be red, hot rock and roll express hot. Uh, they just weren't. And that was unfortunate that affected the match. And look, there's only so much you can do in a pig pen. Yes. I want to mention, even though we're sort of poking fun at what we're watching here a little bit, uh, you guys do win the ratings war that night. Raw does a 2.6 nitro does a 2.5. And again, the nitro card, I want to run it through Johnny B. Bad and diamond Dallas page for the TV title, Randy Savage and Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit and Steven Ringle, Luger and sting over the super assassins, but the main event Hogan flair in the Omni. And you guys actually beat it barely, but you 
pick up the win. And it's a taped show. So it's live versus taped. And they're even trying to spoil what's happening on the other channel. And doesn't matter. You guys still get your hand raised. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. It was surprising actually. Uh, Brian Florio from uh, ad free shows wants to know, was there any plan to bring an NFL star to the raw bowl in 96? You know, we had done that at WrestleMania 10 with the uh, football players, you know, Reggie white, all those cats, Steve McMichael. Uh, and I think maybe the, the thought process might be, it's a little too quick for that return. And, but there may have been another reason I'm not aware of it. And then we were worried about the, you know, duplication. It's, I think he could, I think triple H cut his back on this thing or something. He does. He's going to get a big cut on his back and then be wallering around in actual, as uh, Bruce says, shoot shit. It's a wonder <laughs> that he didn't get super sick here. You know, like that's hypothetically boys and girls. If you ever get a cut on your hand, don't go digging around in the pig pen. No kids. That's not good for you. Just don't just say no kids. Uh, from ad free shows, Brent wants to know, I was nine during this and remember it fondly. I'm sure time hasn't been kind of the execution, but the concept was fun. What are your thoughts on topical themes like the raw bowl and wrestling? Do I you... don't mind it. I okay. kind of like it every now and then change to, you know, re reshuffle the heart, the, uh, the, the cards. So I like, if there makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. So if it just makes sense to me a little bit and you say, well, you're saying that Jr. Uh, with a hog pin in the background, I get it. I know. Triple H, uh, see, you know, this is, I don't get this. He didn't leave with his heat. Wouldn't you agree with no. the heel who won leave yeah. with his heat? No. Leave at the highest point he could. No, I want to mention, uh, we've still got some other stuff happening on this show, but we are going to see the debut of billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. Meltzer's going to recap it by saying WWF did a skit on raw where they had guys dressed up like Ted Turner, Bill Shaw, Harvey Schiller in billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. A very old skinny guy dressed to be Hogan and a guy dressed to be savage complaining how they need more action in their matches and showed clips of Ramon Michaels, diesel, etc., and then showed Hogan and savages face cringing when they showed them doing their finishers. The Hogan character said he was too old and his feet don't leave the ground and he's too old to be doing <laughs> new moves. And then when Ted asked him what they could do to improve, Hogan started cupping his ear and doing lame poses. And the WWF started 96 with its new slogan. The new generation still on top of the hill, not over the hill. Yeah. Let's track it here. All continues here tonight on his way to the ring. Here comes King Mabel and on his way to a press conference next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Michaels, we will have the result of that press conference right here. Can you imagine how hard that Jeff Hardy? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's Jeff Hardy helping carry him the ring, which is kind of straining all of all four. It should have been like a six man, uh, funeral possession. Not, not four. That was what a rib that was. Yeah. Having to carry Mabel to the ring. 
Uh-uh. It's a no easy sight. No easy. And you got to load up back behind stage. So you got to load up, hold it for a second. Then you make your way out to the ring. It's kind of a daunting little task. There he is. Here we go. Are you kidding me? Open your eyes, brother love, and close your mouth. All right, here we go. Black gloves all over the place. These guys. Texas. No, I think I'm good on that. You want to sell some mortgages for you? I'm probably going to pass on that too. Okay. Just do it out so there. by the way, this is not yet the heel diesel, but you can definitely tell his demeanor is a little different. He's got a little, uh, edge to him. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see him become a heel. And of course in real life, he's going to be healed to Vince McMahon because he's leaving. Uh, but let's get back to, uh, the recap about, uh, the whole war room billionaire, Ted skit. Most who called here thought the skit was hilarious. Even those in WCW, the one thing that should comfort everyone that doesn't like all the name calling is they should realize that if Hogan or Savage were to call Vince tomorrow, they'd be on top there the very next day. And that someday, if the WWF survives Hogan and Savage will be back there and they'll all be best friends again. Hogan and Savage proved that. Bischoff then came back during a promo for the movie that followed Nitro, which was set in the land of myth and fantasy and said, well, that must be Stanford, Connecticut. And he also said that numbers talk and everything else walks. Supposedly WCW will do something next week to respond to the WWF skit. Well, Hogan did come back. I wouldn't go so far as to say him and Vince ever became best friends, but Savage did not. Were you surprised that Savage never came back? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That was an awkward match. Kevin was pissed. As you can tell, I don't know if we're going to see the replay or, or not, but that last, uh, that last uh, move to Mo was sloppier and shit. And that, and Mo didn't go up smooth. It seemed to me like, so, but that, that did everything, you know, the, the entrance carrying that big son of a gun to the ring took longer than it did to beat him. Yeah. Let's track it here. See what Vince is saying. Why, why don't you, are you afraid to, I, I, I think you got a better shot. I'll do it. I'm not afraid. Watch. Go ahead. The king. Go ahead. The king. Hey, big daddy. Cool. He's looking for those black gloves, and there is a sea of black Come here, Diesel. Gloves. Question about it. And what is that? cool Diesel now. Stepping over, I guess. Could it be he's going to talk to the king? Yeah. This will be the first time Big Daddy Cool Diesel has anything to say since losing a WWF. I wanted to ask if you were. Hey, wait. So he's grabbing the hand of Ashley, the Raw Bowl Queen. Yeah. Uh, Whatever happened to Ashley, for goodness sakes. I don't know. I was going to ask you that. Maybe Jerry knows. Jerry probably knows. All I know is if she's past 25, and that's when your uh, driver's license cost goes down. Uh, you're pretty much out. Well, this was 26 years ago. So unless yeah. she was an embryo here, I don't Yeah, No, she got no embryo. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't, I guess she was just an actress or something model. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but if you know what happened that. to her, please let us know. We need to know. Yeah. yeah we need to, We do need to know that. Uh, Ashley Allen is, um, 
her name. Really? Steve Lombardi? The Brooklyn Brawler? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Look what's happening to So the Lombardi trophy was presented by the Brooklyn Brawler. That's kind of fun. Oh, and they're gonna dump a big cooler on him. Steve Bass! No! <laughs> you see the coach of South Carolina had to take a uh, mayonnaise bath? Yeah, pass on that. Hard pass on that. Lord. And, I, and the guy that was hitting him with it, uh, almost dropped it. Yeah. I'm going to pass on that. Hey, turns out, uh, a quick little Google search tells me that her name was Ashley Allen. She was a playboy playmate from 1992. Oh, and, uh, yeah, didn't do much here for the WWF, but she, this was her debut, if you will. And her uh, farewell. It's written here from uh, ringthedambell.com. She didn't do a whole heck of a lot on the show and then walk down the ramp in a sash and wave to the fans. But Jerry Lawler fawned all over. The biggest plan was to have a, a Playboy Playmate aligned for her to be with Brother Love and play his wife. She was to be Jesus. called Sister Love and basically do the same shtick. <laughs> but of course, we know that didn't actually happen. That didn't make it out of the war room. In Stanford. Now we're going to know all the names at the Royal rumble. She was by uh, triple H at SummerSlam 96 on the free for all in a yellow bikini, but there you go. It's a nice way for a playboy model to get a payday. So yeah, it is. I'll check this out as Vader. That's the epitome of a monster heel on her head. And this is the debut we're seeing the big training vignette. And that is a big get. I mean, he, had, I thought so, man. Yeah. Big time. I wish we got the only negative for me in hindsight was I wish we got him a little bit earlier in his career or he, where he would have been uh, more stable, more healthy. So next week, the Shawn Michaels press conference, here's a spoiler in reverse. He's going to announce that he is in the rumble. He's not retiring. Uh, we'll see bulldog and, uh, Brett from in your house. Hakushi will be in there with Jeff Jarrett. So pretty loaded show for January 8th, but yeah, I think yeah, here we go. Let's listen. Listen, man, we, we need more action from our stars. I, I, I want them to pull out all the stops. Okay. Boss, you have some suggestions. As you can see, this first maneuver is extremely impressive. You think you could pull it off, hot stuff? No way, brother. Okay, that's a tough one. Nacho, how about this maneuver? No way, never. What about the jackknife? Ain't done it in my entire career, and I ain't about to try it now. How about climbing the ropes and performing? Gary Chester. And I can't remember the other guy's name, Jim something. He was a, he was so bad time. Well, 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 tell us, uh, what can't I think you everybody here to? worked? Not everybody. I think most of these guys worked at the studio. You can't teach old dogs new tricks. The new WWF generation on top of the hill, not over it. 
playing that little, uh, almost theme from Pulp Fiction there. Uh, Iggy pop lust for life. I think so. What'd you think, man? Watching the raw bowl back for the first time in God dang 26 years. Well, it was uh, interesting memories. I, I didn't realize that personally I had such a small role in that show considering I remember it better than that. I, I, I didn't hate the tag match, uh, at all. It told a real good story. Uh, so I would say it was a, a minor success B plus B solid B somewhere in that neighborhood. It didn't jump off the page at me, but, uh, I've seen us do worse shows. Yeah, that was a pretty fun show. I mean, it was uh, nice for what it was next week though. We're going to be talking about one of my very favorite pay-per-views of all time. And I know I'm going to catch some shit for this. Everybody thinks Royal rumble 92 was the best. I think it was 1997 and we're going to watch the, uh, at least the match from 1997 next week here. And we'll talk about all the news and notes and Jim Cornette had a famous line from an old kayfabe commentary shoot interview as they're breaking damn it, down. Conrad, don't spoil my goddamn pop. <laughs> he, uh, fucker. He, he described this show is saying, Hey, sometimes you have a show that needs a dome. This time we had a dome that needed a show. So we'll talk about how the WWF went from drawing. Okay. To, you know what? We're going to try to fill up a whole dome and we'll talk about all the news and notes and carrying on from 1997. But between now and then you could be grilling and watching Alabama win yet another national title. And, uh, it all tastes better with a little all purpose seasoning from jrsbbq.com, Right, Jim. Check. I agree with that. Conrad are, as most wrestling announcers say, you're exactly right. Jr. You're exactly right. <laughs> I love uh, you for that. But I, I, we, we had such a good holiday season. We appreciate everybody's support. We're still selling product. You guys are still eating. We're still trying to feed you. And remember all those, all those gift boxes are great for birthdays or anniversaries, things like that. Uh, any kind of special occasion. We'll be happy to take care of you. So, and I still got some signed books, uh, under the black hat and slobber knocker, uh, available for immediate shipping as well. So Venice has been good. It's been a fun little project. And I have to admit to everybody, you know, when, when Jan got killed, I came very close to saying, ah, I, I lost my fight. In this little deal Then I got to thinking I was being very greedy because this whole project was about her and my mom, not about BJR. So, uh, and, and that's how I looked at it. And, and so I'm proud of our success and Stephen links done a great job there for me and my family. So I, I'm glad, I'm glad that we proceeded with it and, uh, it would not have happened without everybody's support. You know who you are, you're buying products and, and I sincerely appreciate it. So don't stop now. Like Conrad says, uh, that all purpose seasoning should never be out of your kitchen shelf. It should never be empty or even close to being empty. And, uh, and of course I'm number one sellers are JR's original sauce. All that's uh, all that's what it is. So, you know, Conrad, thank you so much for being, uh, willing to promote the little with the little website that could. And, and, uh, I, I hope that we, uh, that will help us have even a bigger year in 2022. It's going to be a great year. We're excited that you guys are with us. Hope you'll stay tuned next week. We're going to be talking all things rumble 1997. He is at JRS I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross.
And I'll see you on AEW Dynamite. Can't wait. Thanks, everybody. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.